Book Four, Chapter Four of the Late Mr. Jonathan Wilde the Great. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dennis Sayers. The Late Mr. Jonathan Wilde the Great by Henry Fielding. Book Four, Chapter Four. The Dead Warrant Arrives for Hartfree, on which occasion Wilde betrays some human weakness. The dead warrant, as it is called, now came down to Newgate for the execution of Hartfree, among the rest of the prisoners. And here the reader must excuse us, who profess to draw natural, not perfect characters, and to record the truths of history, not the extravagances of romance, while we relate a weakness in wild of which we are ourselves ashamed, and which we would willingly have concealed, could we have preserved at the same time that strict attachment to truth and impartiality which we have professed in recording the annals of this great man. Know then, reader, that this dead warrant did not affect Hartfree, who was to suffer a shameful death by it, with half the concern it gave Wilde, who had been the occasion of it. He had been a little struck the day before, on seeing the children carried away in tears from their father. This sight brought the remembrance of some slight injuries he had done the father to his mind, which he endeavoured as much as possible to obliterate. But when one of the keepers, I should say, lieutenants of the castle, repeated Hartfree's name among those of the malefactors who were to suffer within a few days, the blood forsook his countenance, and in a cold still stream moved heavily to his heart, which had scarce strength enough left to return it through his veins. In short, his body so visibly demonstrated the pangs of his mind, that to escape observation he retired to his room, where he sullenly gave vent to such bitter agonies that even the injured Hartfree had not the apprehension of what his wife had suffered shut every avenue of compassion, would have pitied him. When his mind was thoroughly fatigued, and worn out with the horrors which the approaching fate of the poor wretch who lay under a sentence which he had iniquitously brought upon him, had suggested. Sleep promised him relief, but this promise was, alas, delusive. This certain friend to the tired body is often the severest enemy to the oppressed mind. So, at least, it proved to Wilde, adding visionary to real horrors, and tormenting his imagination with phantoms too dreadful to be described. At length, starting from these visions, he no sooner recovered his waking senses than he cried out, I may yet prevent this catastrophe. It is not too late to discover the whole. He then paused a moment, but greatness instantly returning to his assistance, checked the base thought, as it first offered itself to his mind, 
He then reasoned thus coolly with himself, Shall I, like a child, or a woman, or one of those mean wretches whom I have always despised, be frightened by dreams and visionary phantoms, to sully that honour which I have so difficultly acquired, and so gloriously maintained? Shall I, to redeem the worthless life of this silly fellow, suffer my reputation to contract a stain which the blood of millions cannot wipe away? Was it only that the few, the simple part of mankind, should call me a rogue? Perhaps I could submit, but to be for ever contemptible to the prigs, as a wretch who wanted spirit to execute my undertaking, can never be digested. What is the life of a single man? Have not whole armies and nations been sacrificed to the honour of one great man? Nay, to omit that first class of greatness, the conquerors of mankind, how often have numbers fallen by a fictitious plot only to satisfy the spleen, or perhaps exercise the ingenuity of a member of that second order of greatness, the ministerial. What have I done then? Why, I have ruined a family, and brought an innocent man to the gallows. I ought rather to weep with Alexander, that I have ruined no more, than to regret the little I have done. He at length, therefore, bravely resolved to consign over Hartfree to his fate, though it cost him more struggling than may easily be believed, utterly to conquer his reluctance, and to banish away every degree of humanity from his mind, these little sparks of which composed one of those weaknesses which we lamented in the opening of our history. But in vindication of our hero we must beg leave to observe that nature is seldom so kind as those writers who draw characters absolutely perfect. She seldom creates any man so completely great or completely low, but that some sparks of humanity will glimmer in the former, and some sparks of what the vulgar call evil will dart forth in the latter utterly to extinguish which will give some pain and uneasiness to both for i apprehend no mind was ever yet formed entirely free from blemish unless peradventure that of a sanctified hypocrite whose praises some well-fed flatterer hath gratefully thought proper to sing forth End of Book 4, Chapter 4, read by Dennis Sayers, in Modesto, California, for LibriVox.